The views and opinions expressed by guests on this program are not necessarily the views of Thinking Bigger Business Media, Inc. or its employees. Welcome to Smart Companies Thinking Bigger Radio. Get the inside scoop on how America's most successful business owners transform their entrepreneurial vision into reality. And listen in as some of the top business minds in the country serve up practical advice, tips, and insights for growing your business. Now here's your host, Kelly Scanlon. Good morning. Welcome to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. And as those of you who listen to the show often know, this is our 25 under 25 season, all the events leading up to the big gala on February the 28th. And we bring on some of the winners leading up to that gala. Today we have Adam Fishman, who is the owner of Lifted Logic. They're one of Kansas City's premier digital creative agencies. And Adam is a serial entrepreneur. Uh, Lifted Logic's not his first entrepreneurial venture, so I'm excited to talk with him today and find out more about how he got started, what he's done um, leading up to this. And just a little hint here, like so many today, he started his first business when he was in college. So what does that tell you? Anyway, we want you to come out and meet him too. So go to 25under25.com, get your tickets, and be out there on February the 28th to welcome Adam and his team and the other 24 winners as well. Welcome to the show today, Adam. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Okay, so you are the owner of Lifted Logic. Tell us what Lifted Logic does. Well, we are a creative agency in Kansas City. Um, we really specialize a lot on, on and heavy digital media and using digital media on the web. Okay. So what, what do you mean when you say you're a creative agency? T- tell me, if, if I'm a customer and I uh, come in to talk with you, what, what sort of things are you going to be helping me with? Sure. Uh, I would say that, you know, usually when people think of like just a website, they think of just kind of building a basic structure and putting in some pictures and some text and you know, more of an agency type approach, we're coming in and we're actually trying to build a lot of the, the material around it. So we're either shooting the videos, taking the photographs mm-hmm. of people in their office, um, coming up with a, a branding and uh, standards guidelines for companies. Um, I really, it, I mean, our main job is to kind of just put a frame around the business and accentuate okay. what they already so, do well. So really the website's the portal. It, right. it, it should... Uh, tell you everything that you'd want to know about the business and and you should have some sort of an entryway into everything that the business does through that. I mean, you should definitely be having some sort of emotional experience. Okay. You know, I think that every business kind of gets lumped together a lot of the time in in our industry. You know, it's like, okay, well, we're just going to build a website for Company X rather than understanding what Company X is actually about. Right. And then building around Mm -hmm. that. Yes. So so it's the entire brand. It's an integrated approach that uh, everything is complementary as opposed to, okay, this is done in isolation, this is done in isolation, this is done in isolation, and somewhere in there there's a company. <laughs> right. I mean, that's you know, we actually retain all of our own work. So, you know, we don't outsource anything from mm-hmm. the videography, from the photography, from design to copywriting. Um, any of those, like, verticals or lateral pieces, you know, we actually are creating in-house. And... It's more of like a team approach. I mean, we all have a very deep understanding of how the business operates, what their morals are, you know, what is important to them, and and try and adjust us to use what we know how to do, but mm-hmm. 
to accentuate them. Yeah. Why did you settle on that approach as opposed to, you know, some people will say, uh, keep your core people in your office and then freelance or hire out, contract out as needed so that you can get the best talent for that particular project. You can keep your overhead lower. You don't have to keep people busy all the time. Uh, the, The approach you're taking can be a bit harder. Why did you decide on that? Well, interestingly, I mean, you know, one of the things that you had mentioned was keeping the cost down. Um, I think that that's definitely, you know, we're not a monetarily driven business. That sounds really weird, but, um, you know, my focus from the beginning is being the best in our uh, and at our craft um, and and realizing that money kind of follows. You know, if you take pride in your work and you put out the best product that you're possible, you know, that's possible to come out and you can possibly create, then you tend to get noticed. I mean, you tend mm-hmm. to get respect for that. And um, the the driving force isn't monetarily based. You know, you're not as likely to cut corners when you're focusing on the best product, not on the most amount of money or overhead. That's true. That's so. true. Very true. Let's talk about your entrepreneurial past or your entrepreneurial journey, I guess you could say. Uh, you had a company when you were a college sophomore called One Dog, D-A-W-G. Tell us about One Dog. What was the genesis behind that? Sure. Um, So right when video iPods first started to come out, um, my girlfriend at the time had just gotten one. We had two dogs at that point in time, and she's trying to drag out. You know, this is like 2005, early 2005. Um, I believe my date's right. she was trying to drag over a video of our dogs onto her iPod through iTunes. iTunes threw up a big flag, incompatible format. I said, well, okay, let's do a little bit of research. So uh, me and a couple friends did some research, and we found out that you actually had to convert the video into the correct audio and video codec. So we said, well, let's make a website you can upload a video to Mm -hmm. and download it for your iPod. Everything slowly started evolving in the the Web 2.0 space. You know, it, the first dot-com boom kind of, there was definitely a big lull. And as everything started to kind of ramp back up, um, we were lucky enough to kind of be at the right place at the right time. Um, when the, you know, Web 2.0 basically was just user-generated content. You know, if you mm-hmm. take all the users off of Facebook, what's left? Yeah. If you take all the users off of YouTube, what's left? Mm-hmm. They're aggregates. Right. So eventually we kind of nestled our way down into that same that same, you know, kind of thought structure, store videos, play them. Um, and we grew the site to about 20 million users a month. It's pretty impressive. Thanks. We, uh, <laughs> I mean, it was definitely overwhelming. You know, we, uh, we got our hosting bill back. I bet. And this it is was, still just you and Emma, right? No, it was, oh, me, you, and, it was me and three grown, other business partners. Oh, okay, so you've and, grown uh, at this point. Uh, yeah, I mean, we're in the back of the garage in, in college in Bloomington, Illinois, and, um, I got a hosting, you know, actually we got accepted to Google's AdWords, beta AdWords, Mm -hmm. uh, AdSense campaigns, and they just switched to CP. So you get paid per click rather than impressions. Mm -hmm. And we had the right demographic, but what slowly worked into understanding psychographics and realizing that, you know, an 18-year-old user that's male can be across the board in a ton of different spectrums. So we get our hosting bill one month. Early on was a quarter of a million dollars. Jiminy. And we're like 19-year-old kids. We're like, oh, crap. 
Well, we've got our AdWords bill coming. <laughs> our, our check. And uh, what was it for? Nineteen bucks. Eighteen hundred dollars. I was close. <laughs> it was not good. And so you know, all of us kind of looked at each other and we're like, oh no, this isn't going to be good. You know, everybody th- assumes that you know, traffic meant money, mm-hmm. and that just because you had a large audience meant you you made a decent living. And we realized really shortly and quickly that it, that was not the case at all. We had to come up with something different. We we. What we had done, and we had done right, was we were working with Hobie Williams here in town. Oh, for, sure. For great, IP. great IP attorneys. And, you know, we got our provisionals in our, our for our patent applications way early on. We were the first company to send a video from the Internet to a cell phone. Wow, very and, cool. And um, ended up at Sprint. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Hated my life. <laughs> Not meant to be corporate <laughs> stooge, no, huh? <laughs> I don't know if anybody is. You know, it was a definitely a different, um, yeah, it was a Did you learn moment. anything, though? I learned I did not want to create a business that was at all like that. Okay. That sounds horrible, but, I mean, why did me, you, Why did you end up there to begin with? So, they, basically, we had gone in through and met a bunch of people through their venture division, mm-hmm. and, um, it was kind of still at that time, you know, picture messaging was starting to come through and, and there was definitely a lot more advancements. You know, trios were out, those old Game Boy, mm-hmm, the real mm-hmm. first smartphones. And, uh, we did, you know, they knew just like we did that the industry was progressing in a different direction and the media was going to be digested and, and enjoyed on a multitude of mediums. Mm-hmm. So, um, and the device shouldn't be, the device shouldn't matter. And that's, yeah, I mean, that's kind right, of similar to what we do now. Right, you know, when exactly. we build websites, the device shouldn't matter. You should have the same experience on a cell phone or, you know, anywhere that the Internet's at. Yeah. You also had a big role. You know, you were the first company to uh, trans- transfer an Internet from or transfer a video from the Internet to a cell phone. But you also played a major role in the D- Digital Millennium Copyright Act. How so? So the the DMCA... Basically, when it started coming around was really when the web, you know, like 2.0 started to become its own organism that was expanding and contracting at its own rate. And it basically what it, what it stated was people like us. So if somebody, let's say you uploaded the movie 300, mm-hmm. which this may or may not have happened. Somebody, a user uploaded. You I uploaded have to the movie confess, I have no idea what that movie is. So. It was a. Uh, <laughs> we can leave it. Any, at that. Yeah. any, any so, movie that got uploaded that was copyrighted, yeah. music video or otherwise. Sure. So we have to assume if you upload something to me, how do I know that you're not the director of the movie mm-hmm. uploading it to the website? And so basically, as the aggregate, your job is to be responsive to the copyright owner when they contact you. So you upload the movie 300 onto our site. I see numbers in the back end. Mm -hmm. I don't see any video titles. You know, you never monitor your own website. You're never looking at it from the front end. Okay. And you rely on the copyright holder. So you have to contact me and say, you know what? Actually, I swear under the penalty of perjury that I did not authorize this content to get uploaded. To get uploaded. Mm -hmm. So we would pull it back down. We'd say, okay, great. So part of the DMCA was what is the responsibility? My responsibility to to remove it after being notified in a reasonable time. Mm-hmm. What's a reasonable time? Exactly. So, you know, when we were kind of working through all this, 
you know, there wasn't a lot of lawsuits that had really gone through um, from start to finish. Most of the time they got settled. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, so it sounds like a really easy, straightforward, right? You ignore your website until somebody lets you know. So let's say you create a new user account, re-upload the video again. Mm. I have to assume that you have rights to that video and I have to wait again for the copyright owner right. to contact me again to tell me that it's wrong. Mm-hmm. Which sounds it sounds pretty easy and pretty straightforward, right? You just don't monitor your site. Well, I won't say what it is, but something really bothersome was uploaded to our homepage. Okay. And so, you know, it was uh you make the decision, do I remove this? Or do I leave it? Mm-hmm. And assuming if you remove something, no matter how offensive or how disgusting, you're admitting that you monitor your website and you could be <laughs> right. liable for the rest of your copyright infringement. Right, yeah. And we made the decision. We said, you know what, morally, when there was you know, children, animals, anything like that involved, mm-hmm. you had to make a moral call. Right. And realizing when you talk to your attorneys, you say, if you pull one thing down, you could be liable for every single piece of copyright infringement that's ever been uploaded to your website. So you decided to change the law. Well, so we decided that, you know what, kind of as as this entire thing, you know, there was not a lot of definitions. It's general rules to abide by. Yeah. And so, you know, we kind of, you kind of have to work with everybody to kind of create your own understanding and your own implementation of how you're going to approach it. So We're going to take a break now. When we get back, I want to talk some more with Adam about some of the lessons learned and some of the contributions that you make to the greater community. I know that's really important to you and to Lifted Logic. We'll be right back. Get ready for an evening exploding with energy as we celebrate Kansas City's entrepreneurial community at the 14th Annual 25 Under 25 Awards Dinner and Gala, Saturday, February 28th at the Downtown Marriott. Join hosts Thinking Bigger Business Media and sponsor UMB for cocktails, dinner, and entertainment as we recognize the achievements of 25 outstanding Kansas City area small businesses with under 25 employees. Reserve your tickets now at 25under25.com. That's 25under25.com. Your product outshines the competition, so why aren't you outselling them? You're meeting sales projections, but the bottom line just isn't what it should be. Technology is changing rapidly and impacting your ability to perform. Something needs to change, but you just can't put your finger on what. I'm Patrick Shore, your host at The Hut, where we tackle these and other issues. The Hut is a safe place where we can explore what it takes to not only stay in front of the competition, but make it irrelevant. So come on in, kick off your shoes, and join the conversation every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central Standard Time on Blog Talk Radio, Smart Companies Thinking Bigger Radio Network. The Hut, your path to a stronger, thriving, profitable business. It takes 12 years to create a graduate. It takes about the same time to create a dropout. The difference between a child becoming one or the other could be you. Studies prove that reading to a child regularly dramatically improves reading skills. And kids who read well by third grade are four times as likely to graduate. So United Way is calling for one million volunteers over the next three years. We're asking you to step up, make a pledge, tutor a child who needs help, mentor a kid who needs someone on their side, volunteer to read to children, make a difference. Because when a child advances, we all advance. Entire communities improve. Path to success or failure starts long before graduation day, and the difference between a graduate and a dropout could be you. Be a reader, tutor or mentor, give, advocate, volunteer, live united. Take the pledge. Go to liveunited.org now. 
Good morning. Welcome back to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. We're visiting here this morning with one of our 2015 25 Under 25 awardees. Uh, his name is Adam Fishman, and he is the owner of Lifted Logic. If you want to meet Adam at the event on February 28th, go out to 25under25.com and get your tickets. He and his whole team will be out there. We've been talking about your entrepreneurial background, Adam, and you know, a lot of baptism by fire, it sounds like, uh, by before you're even 20 years old. What were some of the lessons that you have learned being an entrepreneur? I think the biggest thing that I've learned is that you only have one name and you only have one reputation. Mm-hmm. And um, it's something that, you know, I think a lot of people kind of laugh and, and say, yeah, obviously. But I think not only your reputation with others, that your reputation with yourself and your own mental health is yeah. just as important. True. So yeah. I think that's been the biggest lesson is really realizing to respect yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially uh, with some of the situations that you encountered. I mean, there there wasn't any middle ground mm-hmm. with some of that stuff. <laughs> so so uh, very important lessons early on. So you went from one dog to sprint, as you mentioned, and now uh, you are with Lifted Logic. Did you go straight out of sprint to Lifted Logic? How did that all work? Yeah, I mean, I was never th- the – basically, Lifted Logic started um, – let me think. It's got to be about seven years ago, and we uh, I'd moved back from from college as well, so we were kind of in the transition state, and started up the company down on 76th and Troost. Um, my my father owned Seventh Heaven, and ah. yeah, that that was a uh, it was a good and you know a blessing and and uh, a negative at the same time. I mean, what was great was that. I haven't heard that name in a long time. <laughs> it's still rocking. I think it's like 42 years now. Is it? It still exists? I yeah. didn't know that. Okay. He was 18, selling four tracks out of the back of his van. So wow. he was young as so well. So you had an entrepreneurial influence. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you grow up, you know, I got my degree in business, and I think that, you know, that was a decent waste of time for me. <laughs> um, I think that just absorbing it as a child was definitely mm-hmm. the best prepared you. Yeah, I mean, you live with it every day. You Absolutely. See, you know. Yeah. So 76th and Truce, mm-hmm. uh, you start up Lifted Logic and uh, get to work. What were some of the what were some of the early challenges that you had? Being on 76th and Truce. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> I should have seen that coming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, uh, we had some clients that would get out of their car and immediately turn back around and get back in their car and leave. Um, but I mean, you know, for us, we didn't even really think about it. Like we're we're at where we're at. We're doing what we're doing, and uh, the work was mm-hmm. always our focus. So yeah. it didn't really matter where we were at—a coffee shop or a building down and down on Troost, or you know, mm-hmm. now out in Overland Park. What do you, when you look back over the last seven years, what do you think uh, propelled your success? Mm. Is there any one thing? Been a combination of several. Yeah, my employees. Mhm. Yeah, I think that's um I've been really fortunate. I mean, they they all equally take as much pride in this company as I do. Probably more so. Mhm. That's and, great. I mean, they go home with it. So. Yeah, you mentioned in your application that you're not intimidated by employees who know more than you do. And that's mm-hmm. that's something that a lot of business owners 
struggle with. It's like they need to be the most highly paid. They need to be the one with all the answers. They need to be doing everything. And uh, it sounds like it's a lesson that you learned early on that that's not necessary. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to come into work because I think that every single person, I'm probably the least qualified to have my job at the company. Uh, they are incredible. I mean, every single one of them knows their craft, and it's not just what they do; it's their life. Mm-hmm. You know, they live it from from writers. I mean, you know, our writer when we interviewed her, she goes, "When I was a kid, my parents grounded me by sending me outside without a book." <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm like, man, I don't even know the last time I read a book. <laughs> that's all. I mean. You know, that's, that's mm-hmm. their lives and they're consumed by it. The developers go home and program and develop and engineer and, you know, they just, they live it. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it, it doesn't just, they don't turn it off at 5 no. o'clock. It's not, no. it's not just a job. Another, mm-hmm. another thing that is very important to you personally, and I know it permeates your company, Lifted Logic as well, and that is giving back to the greater community. Talk to us about some of the ways that you do that. Um, I mean, I, you know, Personally, I sit on the board for a couple of charities here in Kansas City. Um, we, you know, a few, anywhere from digging wells in in Malawi to playing beer pong for babies. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's no like commonality really between any of them, except for the fact that they, again, at the top, you know, from the message downward is, we want to give as much back. Period. So most yeah. of them, you know, none of the charities really have paid employees, staff. Everybody's doing it legitimately just for the recipients at the end of the tunnel. Right. How do you balance that? Some some business owners, especially small business owners, uh, although their heart might be in the right place, they'll say, you know, it's just really a choice sometimes between the business and the time or the money that we give to charitable uh, endeavors. And the business has to come first because without the business, oh, we won't have any of the money to give back. So, you know, a lot of times they end up focusing more on the business. How do you manage both? I mean, it's more of an ebb and flow. It's not its not one of those things that you can always just commit X number of hours a week. Mm-hmm. Um, some weeks, you know, you have more time and you can give more. Some years you have more time and True. you can give more. Yeah. Um, so it's really just about doing whatever you feel you can handle. There's there's definitely not the right answer. It's just we, we try and use our professional skills also. You know, we'll... we'll donate websites to charities and, and help them take online donations and we know that you know a small portion of our time can equate to a large a large influx of cash or capital or human resources for the charities so it's a balance i mean mm-hmm. you're, you're right you have to have a balance but it's important to you to, to find that balance definitely yeah. we we um and for the first probably four years of the company I would say it was about we'd, we'd match hour for hour for every hour that we build we tried to donate an hour to charity that's a lot of time. It was a lot of time. We got to meet some incredible people. Um, we made we made our effort to contact the recipients directly. So um, one of the guys we built a website for was wheelchair-bound with a trach and breathing machine mm-hmm. and met him at a chamber, and he was great. I mean, he was a really incredible guy. So we said, what can we do? Mm-hmm. And, you know, a couple hours of our time, you know, like I was saying, it's, it's a huge help for them in their own lives. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think that people who follow the philosophy that you do, what goes around comes around and it comes back in a multitude of ways. So, 
you've used the word. We, we ask all of our applicants for the 2525 words to choose one word that best defines their company, and you chose organic. Why did you choose organic? Well, I think a lot of it, you know, I'm, I'm pretty big into organic, into organic gardening, and the, the main principle, I think, of that forgetting, you know, synthetic chemicals or herbicides or pesticides or any of that kind of thing. It was more about feeding the dirt rather than the plant and focusing much more about spreading out something that's, it's not just this macro focus of this one thing at this one time. It's saying, you know what, how are we going to better this entirety, the entirety of this piece? And it, it's slow. You know, you're not, you're not going to just shove your dirt full of, of uh, lime or really anything that's going to make drastic changes. It's a slow progression. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's looking at, you know, spreading it out over more of a, nothing's instantaneous. Right. It takes work. Yeah. It takes time. It takes balance. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why organic really fits for us. Well, it, it sounds like it fits the philosophy you've been describing during the whole show. One of the things I want to go back to is your time at One Dog. Um, you had a chance to um, take a buyout that would have meant several million dollars from celebrity investors, and you chose not to. And to this day, you stand by that decision. A lot of people would have just cashed in, and who knows what you'd be doing now. But why did you decide not to take that? Oh, man, that's a good question. If you asked my wife, I think there'd be a much different answer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, I, I think, again, we were we were still pretty headstrong. I mean, we were all in college, and our – our morals were set. I mean, you know, we, it's your baby. Mm-hmm. So for us, it was, if we're going to, if we're going to partner up or even sell off our baby, then it's got to be with the right people and for the right reasons. And the, uh, the group out in LA was, we just saw them taking it and, and stripping it apart. And, and that, you know, we were just not going to let that happen. Yeah. Even with the quarter million dollar internet bill that you had, <laughs> You still walked away. <laughs> you know, even though we had a lot of our bills, like we never, it, the the monetary side of it just never, never mattered. Mm-hmm. I mean, we didn't start it to to sell it. We started it because we were driven and we liked it, and and so. Yeah. So where's one dog right now? I never did ask that. Um, it is. I actually I don't know what the status. It, I'm still a 25 percent owner. Are you? It's okay. just not active. Okay. Yeah. All right. If you had to leave with one piece of advice, leave our audience with one piece of advice today, what would it be? Do you. Do you. Yeah. That's going to become a new slogan, you know. Yeah, just be you and, and do what you do. Like, don't don't compromise who you are to make a sale or to make a little extra money or to make somebody else happy. Just be true to yourself. Wow. Adam, it's been wonderful getting to know you a little bit more. We look forward to seeing more of you in the events leading up to the gala, and uh, much success. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. And again, if you'd like to come out and meet Adam and his team and some of our other winners of the 25 Under 25 class of 2015, please visit our website at 25under25.com and get your tickets to the February the 28th gala. And if you'd like to learn more about how to grow your business, you can also visit our website at ithinkbigger.com. Follow us on Facebook at Thinking Bigger Business Media or on Twitter at ithinkbigger. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. 
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.